You're listening to Wordslinger Podcast, episode 117, Going Social with Francis Caballo. This episode of the Wordslinger Podcast is brought to you by draft to digital Convert your manuscript, distribute it online, and get support the whole way at drafttodigital.com. It's the Wordslinger Podcast, where story matters. Build your brand, write your book, redefine who you are. It's all about the story here. What's yours? Now, here's the guy who invented pants optional, Kevin Tomlinson, the word slinger. Word slinger. Hey everybody, this is Kevin Tomlinson, the word slinger. I'm having a uh, I'm having a pretty good week and it just got better cuz you just showed up. <laughs> is that like the cheesiest radio line ever? <laughs> But it's so true. I am so excited. Um, every time I get a chance to sit down and talk to you guys, I um, I just enjoy it that much. But here's the deal. Uh, this week, draft to digital announced a partnership with Findaway Voices. Actually, the company is Findaway. Voices is their audiobook program. And uh, here's what's going on, man. I have been building this all over as a uh, an ACX competitor, basically. I mean, this is this is your. It's an ACX alternative. We don't. I don't really like the whole competitor atmosphere. So we're going to call this an alternative because um, ACX still serves a pretty good purpose. It still has some, some features that we're not offering just yet, uh, like the uh, 50-50 uh, split. But the cool thing about uh, voices, and this is why it attracted us. Um, first of all, Findaway is a company very much like Draft Digital in the way it handles uh, customer support. Uh, if you have a problem, you call, you talk to them directly. Um, they don't try to nickel and dime the authors on, on things. They try to create things that are specifically geared towards assisting the author. So, uh, we, we felt a kinship with them. We had them, we had them in, uh, I flew up to Oklahoma city last week. <laughs> I think it was last week. It seems like a year ago now. Um, last week we, uh, met with those guys for a day. We, uh, hung out, had dinner, had drinks. Um, they are our people. They are our tribe, man. So, um, they have the interest of the author in mind with what they're doing. And here's the deal. Um, you can now do audiobooks, get them into everywhere. Audiobooks are sold. They, these guys have 170 plus markets. The plus means they're growing, uh, and that includes Audible and iTunes. Uh, iTunes no longer has its exclusivity deal with Audible, so they uh, they can take audiobooks from from anyone really. Uh, and so you know now we're we're in a whole new landscape where you can actually, as an independent author, you can actually produce your audiobook and and get it distributed in much the same way you could uh, you know through Draft Digital or, or anyone else and. Uh, get into all these new markets and that makes that that's huge that is huge so and the deal is because it's not it's not exclusive you can still have your your books on audible um and the royalty is much better you can get an 80 percent cut of findaways royalty and that's based on the various vendors now if you go to our uh our website <clears throat> actually I have a blog post about this uh Go and here's the easiest way to do it. And I'll try to put this in the show notes too. But go to uh, bitly bit.ly slash findaway d2d. That's the uh, URL I put together for the uh, the blog post. Uh, and I'm continuously updating that post at Draft to Digital uh, so that whenever you 
go and check, you'll there will be up you know up to date information. Uh, and I've already added quite a bit, including a whole like FAQ that has everything you need to know about it. So that's the big announcement <laughs> on the draft to digital side. <clears throat> and as a sponsor of the Wordslinger podcast, they get some billing in here. Now um, that's very cool. Uh, things that are going on in the Wordslinger universe. The uh, we we finally have my my wife Kara and I we have finally uh, made quite a bit of headway actually on unpacking. <laughs> so we've moved in in April and we've been traveling. Uh, we keep getting shipped all over the planet. Um, the two of us in separate directions, by the way. So um, we've had some things that have been sitting around. There's still a couple of boxes here and there. I have like three boxes of books, my books. Um, some of which I am donating. I'm going to donate some to a, uh, a public library back home, back where I grew up. Um, not in my, not my public library, unfortunately. Uh, but fortunately, it is uh, being run by, or a, one of my good friends is a librarian there now. And so I'm going to donate a box of books to those guys. Uh, and I've got two more boxes of, of books. These are things that, you know, <clears throat> I order some whenever I'm going to do a signing or whatever. And I'd, I'll just have one or two left over and they kind of accumulate <laughs> after a while. So what I'm going to do is there's a, I don't know, I can't remember the name of the organization, but there's kind of a youth um, club, uh, not club, that's the wrong word. Uh, it's, they're, they're set up to help uh, teenagers, high school kids primarily, who are um, more or less homeless, really. Uh, they're, they're having to stay uh, in this sort of dormitory that these, these people have pulled together. Um, <clears throat> and while they're there, they, you know, they're engaged in, you know, like activities and, you know, they, they get a kind of social experience out of it, but they also, it's, they get the benefit of being helped by some amazing people. Um, so I, uh, I was going to volunteer with them anyway. And I, and I, uh, sort of pitched the idea, like I have a ton of my books, uh, that, that, you know, are kind of just taking up space. What if I brought them and started handing them out to people, you know, we can create a little library, and I'll bring other books too. We'll do, let's just start adding to uh, to a library of books. So uh, they didn't have to all be me. Um, so that's going to be cool. I think that's a that's a, a that's a good way, you know, to hand off some excess uh, and maybe help somebody out. Um, <clears throat> other things. I mean, other than getting the house straight. I mean, we've been traveling. Uh, I just got back from Oklahoma City, like I like I mentioned earlier. Um, my wife w had flown to, uh, San Antonio. <clears throat> I think she may have gotten the, uh, better end of that deal as far as accommodations because <laughs> she stayed, um, I think it was a Drury Inn. It's on the Riverwalk though. That is amazing. Uh, she kept sending me photos, but meanwhile, the, you know, she'd send me like a, the view from her, her hotel room window and there's like the Riverwalk with, you know, people strolling and musicians and that sort of thing. She, you know, she'd take pictures of herself on the Riverwalk. And meanwhile, I have a view out of my hotel of a, of a defunct uh, strip joint <laughs> next to a McDonald's. So um, anyway, whatever. <laughs> it was good being in Oklahoma, uh, hanging out with the drafted digital folks and um, hanging out with the Findaway folks, and we we really got some cool stuff ironed out, which is real. It's all very exciting. Uh, I love being a part of this. So uh, that's pretty much it on the news front. The RV is in. Um, <clears throat> it's, there's some uh, repairs being made. When I was driving back from the uh, Smarter Artist Summit uh, in April, 
um, there was some damage to a, a storage bay door. It's actually kind of an ongoing thing, but there, we're, I'm finally getting all of it fixed, um, and uh, it's it's taking a while. <laughs> Gotta get in touch with those. Actually, I gotta call those guys right after I get off the phone with you guys. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, that's it. That's uh, that's all the announcements for uh, this week, news wise. You can hang out after the the interview, and I'll do some housekeeping and wrap up. But for now. I got a really great interview set up. Um, I talked with, now see, this is, uh, Francis Capayo is uh, someone I met in San Francisco. <clears throat> actually, I didn't meet her. We didn't, we never actually got to meet there. We we kind of emailed back and forth, and uh, somehow, some way, we missed each other at the actual conference. So it was really good to sit down with her and, and have a chat about, uh, well, social media for writers, in part, that's, that's part of our conversation. And if you... Uh, if you happen to follow me on social media, you know I'm pretty active. I may not be doing everything quite right, um, and I don't hit every channel either. But I, I, I do subscribe to the philosophy. I think Francis actually talks about this, but the philosophy of go go where you uh, where your message is most likely to be heard <laughs> by the people that most need to hear it. Um, so you know I tend to linger on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, I still have a presence on uh, LinkedIn for some reason. Uh, but I've never been big on like Instagram or, you know, any of the others. I, I don't even know half of them anymore. But does that make me sound old? Now, I suddenly felt like, you know, <laughs> the old man. <laughs> Maybe I am. All right. So uh, anyway, some great tips in this interview. I'm really happy to present to you Francis Caballo. Listen in and stick around after for some quick housekeeping and a, and a, and a pleasant goodbye. And I'll see you on the other side. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in, and today I'm talking with somebody who, uh, she interviewed me actually at one point, and she's a wonderful person, and uh, I just had to get her on the show, and that is Francis, and I'm going to butcher it, I'm sorry, it's Francis Caballo, did I get it right? You absolutely did. All right. <laughs> what's the, uh, uh, just a side note, what's the sort of origin of that last name? Oh, all my grandparents were from Spain, and Caballo means, Caballo means horse in Spanish. Oh, okay. All right, that's cool. Yeah, I don't yeah. think my name means anything. Possibly jackass in, in Spanish. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> so Frances is the, she's a social media manager for writers, uh, and she's got she's got her own program that she uh, interviewed me for, which I appreciate. Frances, thank you. Uh, You're welcome. And thank you for being on the show. Well, thank you for the invitation. I really appreciate it. No, and we were both at the San Francisco Writers Conference and missed each other every time we looked. Uh, which I still find odd, but whatever. I know, <laughs> I know, and I did look and look. Yeah, I looked around. It, you know, it was and it was kind of a it was interesting because it's a compact sort of environment, but it was kind of crowded. So it was, you know, and I was constantly being pulled off and talking to people. So I'm sure you were too. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a sold out event, and they actually packed in more people than they normally do. Really, in a typical year, yeah. yeah. But so, I had proof that I looked for you because I you picked had the up button. that button. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Uh, that's true. You're the one who picked up a button. So those yeah. giant uh, <laughs> draft-to-digital buttons that I can never get anybody to take home with them. <laughs> and I do have a picture of you wearing that button. Oh, really? From I'll have to send it to you. Okay. Yeah, definitely do. Yeah, I don't. Uh, was it like somebody just randomly took a shot or what? Yeah, the the conference photographer took a shot of you wearing the button at your 
exhibitor table talking with someone. Oh, okay. Oh, I see proof that I was at the table. There we go. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> the button is the proof. <laughs> so <That's right. laughs> you, uh, I, I want to talk a little about your, you've got a broad range of things we can talk about actually, because you are yourself an author, right? Right. Are you right. traditionally published or indie published? Indie published. That's the only way to go. That's, that's I think so. Yeah. <laughs> well, but what made you choose indie over a traditional path? Well, the, the reason is because I write about social media, and social media changes quickly. Right. And if I were to write a book and send it to a trade publisher, then it would be a year, and all the information would be outdated. Oh, that's interesting. That's actually a really interesting point. Yeah. So there was – because I remember with my first book – I was able to catch all the changes from LinkedIn that LinkedIn was making and other, other platforms were making, right? And, and I kept delaying publication because there are all these changes coming down the pike, right. and I was able to capture all of them. Right. Well, that's, that's, and social media, of course, is rapidly changing um, all the time. So, right. Yeah, that's interesting. So do you, uh, uh, do you, do you publish to print as well as, as digital? Because I would see that as being kind of difficult. <laughs> To publish to print, I well, do. I, I do publish to print, and I do I do digi digital, okay. and okay. I use draft to digital, of course. Excellent. Yeah. Who who else could you use, really? Honestly. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, well, and the reason I say it's difficult, uh, it's not difficult to actually go to print. It's difficult, I would think, if you were going to try to update and keep up uh, with trends. You know, the print version would be the one that would go out of date fastest, I would think. But um, you does, know, like a system for keeping that up. Well, I I came out with a Goodreads ebook, just an ebook, uh, sometime last late last year, and I've already updated it once, and I need to update it again. And the book that I released in December, I already need to update it for LinkedIn because LinkedIn's platform has changed. Yeah, yeah. The way that it looks, well, at least. Uh, yeah, some of its functionality too. Like I, I think no, they no longer. I may be wrong about this, but I think they no longer hide the number of uh, contacts you have. I don't know what their their reference for it is now. It's like your friends on LinkedIn. Um, right. They right. used to hide that. Like after five hundred, do they still do that? Yeah. You know, I haven't. I, I didn't notice that. Okay. That's my bad. I didn't notice that. There you go. So you owe me a credit in your book now when you update I it. I do. <laughs> Absolutely. I should have known the answer to that. Oh my God, I'm failing the interview well, already. No no. <laughs> no, no. I don't know for sure that they're that they've revealed that now. It's just that when I logged in, I noticed they they're calling it out a lot better on uh, you know, when you go to your dashboard there. Like I get to see how many followers I have or connections or whatever they're calling them. Um Whereas before I had to go hunting for that information. So I didn't know if maybe they switched it and it's no longer hidden, which I never understood anyway. <laughs> I never understood that either. I know that LinkedIn is thinking of getting rid of endorsements, keeping reviews and testimonials, but getting rid of endorsements because they really? feel that, that the endorsements have little value. Yeah, I don't I don't think that they I don't think anyone ever looks at your LinkedIn profile and says, Oh, he was endorsed by unless it's maybe something big. Um I guess if you got an endorsement from like, you know, I don't know, uh the president or something. <laughs> you know, that right, maybe, maybe right. that would carry some weight or something. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, I don't check them when I look at other people's profiles because yeah, me neither. they are meaningless to me. Yeah, yeah. 
Because if you don't know, that that's the trouble with social credibility, is if you don't know the person recommending someone, uh, that recommendation doesn't carry quite as much weight. It, it might serve as social proof, but it doesn't really, you know, weigh in on, on a decide, you know, making a decision, I would think. Right. And when LinkedIn asks me to endorse people that I haven't worked with, then it's an indication that they're not monitoring the system well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, it's an int- that's an interesting platform. And it, so, uh, okay, well, I'm curious what, what brought you to just, you do all social media, though. Like, you cover everything. Right. Right. So what got you to that? <laughs> <laughs> like, why right. social media? I uh, yeah, I could just sense the, you know. It's a constant, str- it's a constant struggle. I, I bet. Mean, you can imagine. What brought me to it is that I used to be a reporter. Okay. And then I went from reporting to working in communications, and that was for nonprofits. And the last job was working for a national nonprofit as a communications director. And then when social media came on the scene, then it was just it was the next step, right? Because it was became part of public relations, part of communications, and it was far more interesting than sending out press releases. Yeah, yeah, um... and so. Our press releases. I just really fell in love with it. <laughs> I, you know, I don't think so. I know. I know that there are people who who swear by them, and that's their specialty, and I respect them for that because right. they've been in the industry for a long time. But I, I won't even do press releases for people. I did earlier in my career, but I won't now. Yeah, I remember that used to be something I was tapped for quite a bit early on when I started uh, copywriting freelance, and. Um, they're not hard to do and I still get clients. Well, no longer. I, I I've called down all my clients, but I, uh, for the longest time I would still get people who wanted them and I would do them cause they were basically easy money, but it's almost just like, you know, just write me a check cause it's going to be the same effect. I mean, <laughs> I don't need, you're not going to get much use out of the press release unless you're a big name. No one even goes looking for them. Exactly. Unless you can get the attention of the New York Times, the L.A. Times, you know. Right. There's little point. I remember when I came out with my first book, I sent out many, many press releases. Yeah. And nothing really came of it. Right. Same here. (laughs) I got a few people who contacted me, you know, I don't know. They were were these random contacts where they were trying to either sell me something or hire me for something. Uh, But... No one was buying the book because of it, so I guess they're not that effective. But social right. media, I mean, the thing I think I notice most uh, when I talk to people about social media is that they're, they don't often know how to use it, uh, how to leverage it. Uh, do you have advice, you know, for that, for the, the everyday marketer or the indie author marketer? You know, I, I do, and it's I, I developed this system, this acronym that defines what I think of as the approach to social media. And so the acronym is CARE. Okay. And so I encourage people to use social media to communicate, not broadcast. Okay. And to answer any questions that their followers have of them. And to, you know, reply and respond. And then finally to educate and entertain because as a former vice president of, of marketing for Yahoo once told me, marketing is about entertainment. 
But, you know, on platforms like Twitter, it's also about education because people like to dig into the blog posts that they discover or the news they discover. But it's also about entertainment because you also like to see those funny memes or memes or those beautiful images. Yeah. And so... So the so balance the education with the entertainment. Yeah. And and with indies, it's so important to consider your colleagues as some of your influencers. Yeah. I mean, don't just look for the big names with the big followings. Look for other people who write in your genre, and enlist them to form a co-marketing team. You know, blog for each other, market each other's books. It's really important to do that because, as I, I often tell writers, if, if you write romance, for example, or thrillers, those readers are voracious readers. Yeah. They will read a book in a weekend, and you can't write fast enough to, to really whet their appetite. Right. And so you need to co-market books with, with your friends, with other authors. Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, – it's interesting. In the indie publishing world, that's – that's kind of becoming common wisdom, uh, which is good. And, and people yeah. new to the industry may not realize it, but you know, us old timers who've been around for a while, we're starting to kind of notice that, you know, the more cooperative I am with the community, uh, the more it benefits me, which I love. <laughs> it's that Zig Ziglar principle. <laughs> right. And I, I like to say that we don't have competitors on social media. We only have colleagues. Yes. Yeah. You know, for, for example, there's Chris Syme and she basically does what I do. And we met on social media. I've been interviewed on her podcast. She's going to be interviewed on my webinar. She's asked me to write a blog post for her blog. You know, we just, I tweet her. She tweets my stuff. Yeah. She, we do the same same work. So we're, you know, we're trying to reach the same authors, but I don't worry about competition on social media. I never have. Yeah. You know, the same is true out here in the 3D world, too, though, because, you know, we we were at that conference, for example, with Pronoun and Smashwords on either side of me. And um, by the end of the conference, we were all kind of having drinks together and laughing together. And, you know, we say a lot of the same things. You know, when we describe our services, it's very difficult to differentiate the services. Um, So I fell back on differentiating us as people, you know, and Uh what team would you rather work with? And it's not a competition. It's more of a what style do you have? And I think the same thing probably applies to social media, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I really see people who do what I do as my colleagues. Yeah. And I, I, I look for what they do so that I can retweet it because... I want to be putting out great content, and if they're creating great content, I want my readers to read it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then it becomes much more about the audience you serve rather than trying to you know, one-up the person who does the same thing you do. Yeah, that's well said. Yeah, that's very cool. I, 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 that's a philosophy I wholeheartedly embrace. draft digital also embraces that philosophy, so it's, that's good to hear. And so you're, now you're doing a lot of this work for writers then. Not, do you do it for anyone other than writers, or, or is it, are you just focused on authors? I'm just focused on authors. Huh. That's cool. It, what, what made you decide that? Um, you know, I think it goes back to having been a reader my entire life. And when I was eight years old, right. you know, I announced that at the dinner table that I was going to write a book one day. And then being a lit major in college and belonging to writers groups because I was wanting to write a book 
And then when I decided to go into social media, then it was just a natural step to do it for writers. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. And it, yeah. Now, here's the here's the golden question though, because no, b- being in the same industry generally, servicing um, authors, <laughs> providing services for authors, uh, I know that authors uh, frequently are poor, <laughs> do not have oh, a lot yeah. of disposable income uh, or a budget for marketing or anything. Um, until later, uh, until they no longer need us. But so, how do you? I mean, are you? Do you find it difficult to find clients who uh, can bring a budget to the table? You know, I I haven't so far. Yeah. I'm I'm trying to think. Some of my some of my clients are are therapists who okay. have written nonfiction books. Yeah. Some of them are fiction writers. I've had a picture book writer and illustrator. Now I've had a variety of genres. Right. And so some of the, they typically have different goals, but quite a number of them aren't committed to the indie life. Right. You know, they're they're wanting to they're wanting to, to be trade published and so they're they're looking to Increase their followers, you know, get good interactions with their followers, finish their books, publish their books, and do the marketing for their books. Yeah. There are there are others who don't have time for it. Yeah. You know, they just like I have a I have a client, well, a guy who's, who's going to come on as a client. He he wrote a very short book, and he said, "I don't want to do social media. I don't want to have anything to do with it. Do you? Will you do it for me?" Right. And so then I have those clients, and then I have those who want me to just set it up for them and teach them how to use it. Right. That's you know, uh, are those those who already have it set up because they did it themselves, but they're not getting anywhere, and they want to schedule some time for for training. Yeah. So okay, I I mean I I do quite a bit on social media. I probably don't do things quite right on per channel, and I, I, there are definitely some social media channels I don't engage in as much as I should or at all. <laughs> um, uh-huh. you know, everyone talks to me about Instagram and I like Instagram, but I always forget about it because I, everything I do is I'm very centered on Facebook. Okay. And I do some uh-huh. stuff on Twitter and I will respond to and engage with people on Twitter. Uh, but def- default to Facebook for some reason. So what about the guy like me? Who's, you know, I, I like social media. I understand it. I understand the value of it. Um, I don't always understand the point of some of it, but I, I, you know, I participate. So, what would you recommend for someone like me? I think you're being smart. Okay, I, thank you. My, yeah, <laughs> that was random, my, but I'll take it. <laughs> my issue is that we, you know, as authors, we need to be smart about how we use our time, and we need to be smart about how we use social media. And so, right. it's important to be not only effective on social media, but efficient. And so I always like to go to the Pew Research Center, which puts out a report every year showing the, the demographics of every social media network. Okay. And then I, I extrapolate that to authors and what genres they write in. And so if you are trying to, if you're a romance writer, then you need to be on Facebook and Pinterest, definitely. Okay. And if you write YA, then you need to be on Instagram and Tumblr and Snapchat, I would say. So this is where I disagree with some people, although I think most people have, have really come around to this idea, this notion 
that you don't need to be everywhere. You right. need to be where your readers are. Exactly. And so if, if you're doing a lot of Facebook advertising and you find that your readership on Facebook is growing and that you have good interaction on Twitter, maybe that's all you need to use. Yeah. I'm not a proponent of trying to spread yourself too thin because then the fatigue sets in and then you don't want to do it. And right. then you're nowhere. Exactly. Yeah. That, no, that's it. Okay. So that's good to hear because that's kind of, that's my approach. And that's what I've told other people, um, to, to focus on, you know, go where your readers are. Um, I love that you have kind of a breakdown. I mean, that's, to me, that's invaluable all in itself to know, like, these are the social media channels that this type of reader frequents. That would be invaluable to have as a resource. So that's pretty cool. Is that yeah. something you pulled together yourself, or you're, you're, you pulled this together from the Peer Research Center, you said? Yeah, I got it from Peer Research, yeah. That's very cool. That's very cool. I Yeah. That makes me want to go dig in, because, you know. But I think most of my readers are on Facebook. That's my gut instinct more than anything, but, you know, thriller readers uh, tend to, I think they tend to hang out on Facebook. And they tend to be, you know, female readers in their, like, from like 50 to 67 is kind of the range it seems which seems odd for thrillers uh -huh. but that's what it works out to <laughs> yeah well I know that Mark Dawson is primarily on Facebook he yeah. doesn't have much of a following at all on Twitter right and I think Nick Stevenson is the same thing yeah I think I think it's different for uh, Joanna Penn as a thriller writer she's right. mostly on Twitter but she's gotten more into Facebook yeah I, I mean yeah, I've I see her on Facebook. She's she definitely does not spend that much time there because I, you know, I see all, everyone. I'm I'm connected to all of them. And I see their feeds fly, you know, through mm -hmm. and, um, you know, Mark Dawson. I see him frequently. Nick Stevenson as well. Joanna, I mostly see on Twitter. You're right. Yeah, and I wonder if that's does that work for her? Like, is Twitter a good good place for the thriller writer, paranormal thriller at that? Well, it has been for her. Yeah. I mean. The best way to determine that is also, or verifying it, is, is looking at your Facebook analytics called Insight, yeah. looking at Google Analytics, and looking at the traffic and seeing what the demographics are, yeah. and if you're reaching your demographics. Uh, Joanna, in particular, she fell in love with Twitter right. when she, you know, early in her career, and she got into Facebook more when, when I believe Mark Dawson started experimenting with Facebook ads and then started developing the course around it. Yeah. Yeah. And um that's kind of where I that's my evolution too. I actually used to be very active on Twitter way back when um when I first got into social media really. So I don't know really where when the switch was flipped. <laughs> but I'm uh -huh. definitely much more on Facebook now, so which probably works accidentally to my favor. Actually, that could be responsible for why I switched to writing thrillers in the first place. Because <laughs> that's where, that's where uh, you know my my good friend Nick Thacker. That's where he does a lot of advertising and that sort of thing. That's his genre. He talked me into it, so maybe that had something to do with it. Yeah, when you do it correctly, Facebook advertising can be very effective. Yeah, yeah, I've seen a lot of benefit. I've seen my list grow quite a bit from it. Uh, that's pretty much the only marketing I do, um, uh, paid marketing that I do. Everything else is very you know I make appearances and I do little book tours and that sort of thing. Um, but the only thing I really dump my budget into is that. So it works That's for me. That's great. Yeah. So what are some, like, uh, I mean, as far as, uh, from an indie author perspective, what are some basic ground zero tips 
for uh, if they're not already involved in social media or if they're not doing it effectively, what are some things they need to look at and places they need to start? I think you need to start with who, you know, for whom are you writing? Yeah. So, you know, what is your target demographic? And then that will determine a lot about where you go online. You know, if you're going to spend time on Facebook, if you're going to spend time on Twitter or Snapchat or Instagram, or even LinkedIn if you're writing nonfiction. And so get to know your readers and look at your Google Analytics for your traffic and see if the demographics meet what you think your your reader demographics already are. And the same thing for Facebook, if you have an author page, look at insights and see what the demographics are there. And then that will really help determine where, where you need to be online. Um, I always recommend starting with one social media network. So start with the one where you think most of your readers are. And I would say learn it till you rock it. And that yeah. c- can be about six months. Okay. And then look at where's your next place online. And maybe it's Twitter or maybe it's Instagram or maybe it's Tumblr. Mm-hmm. And then expand to another social media network. I would doubt that an author needs to be on more than three social media networks. Oh, okay. It's possible. Yeah. But I, I just I just think it's important to be efficient online because because even in my case, you know, I have to learn how, how to use a lot of social media, yeah. but that doesn't mean that I'm I have a continued or consistent presence on every social media network. I don't. I'm primarily on those networks that really f- feed my career and my business. Yeah. And that's what I think others need to do as well, because a fatigue can sit in, even for myself. And so I'm, you know, so you just need to be smart about where you're spending your time because you still need to write your books. Right. That's kind of the whole point. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's can be hard to find that time to write your books. Right. Yeah. That, that, I just unless, had, go ahead. No. Unless you're like, you know, Kevin Tomlinson and can write a book in, what, 30 days? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm writing right now as we, you know, the trick is to do everything at one time. I'm writing and I've, I'm doing my cover at this exact moment, so. Really? Um, no, I'm kidding. I'm oh. no way. God, I'm thinking, Not even boy, that I'm is that so insane. bad in your brain. <laughs> multitasking used to be used to see it on you know job advertisement it must be a multitasker now they know that it impacts your brain yeah in a negative way yeah yeah it, it it actually does and i i for the longest time i thought that honestly because i've always considered myself a multitasker but actually what i am do what i do is rapid tasking which is kind of a new-ish concept but Instead, you know, rather than you're paying attention to a whole bunch of things at the exact same time, you're able to shift very quickly between um, different tasks. But even that doesn't do you much good. Like you're not focusing your attention on on one thing and finishing it. You're you're really just spreading yourself thin. <laughs> so huh. I'm uh, I'm unfortunately good at rapid tasking, but that doesn't mean uh, that doesn't mean it's a good thing. <laughs> so so I mean, so rapid that. tasking. It, it, it doesn't mean that you you work on one task very quickly it means and then you, move to another. Right. It is, it does mean that, but you're shifting. You're able to shift between tasks very quickly. So there's so a lot of times when you shift tasks, especially if they're very uh, uh, disparate kinds of work, uh, mm-hmm. it takes your brain a moment to reorient itself so that you can 
you know, go from uh, writing, say, your book description to writing fiction to designing a cover. You know, those are three very different types of tasks, and they engage different parts of your of the way you think. So, typically, and I'm sorry, you're probably hearing this pounding noise. I'm parked close to a construction site, unfortunately. Um, but there, typically, we don't do very well uh, with that. Our brain needs at least a beat to shift gears. But you can train yourself to to rapidly switch tasks, um, and that works great for some fields. But ultimately, you just exhaust yourself. So that's a freebie. We'll we'll throw that one. I'll, I'll maybe I can find an article about it and I'll put it in the show notes for everybody to read. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, and I study stuff like that. For some reason, that stuff fascinates me. Um, as far as you know, well, I, I love the fact. Do you work primarily with indie authors, or do you also have a, a catalog of traditional authors? I work with mostly indie authors, but I have a hybrid author right now and a trade published author now. Okay, okay. So, okay, you brought up hybrid because that's a hot topic right now for me. Um, and everyone I talked to at that conference was on about, you know, this. we're evolving towards a hybrid model. I firmly believe that, but you might be in a better position to... to judge that what do you think about hybrid authoring yeah i mean are we moving uh, my 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 instinct tells me we're kind of evolving towards a a fully hybrid model in the publishing world like eventually that will be publishing you know i i i wish i had a firm opinion on this and i and i don't i i i'm just not sure i know that this one particular author that i that i work with she used to be trade published and actually made the New York Times bestseller list. Mm -hmm. And then of late, she's gone into sort of hybrid relationships with with publishers. And um, but now she's looking at, at at a at a film deal for one of her books. So she's she's sort of old school and only looking for trade published books. But now she's really open to indie being indie published. Yeah. So. She's she's kind of straddling both worlds. Yeah, it seems like once you you kind of get a taste of, um, there are some freedoms involved with with indie publishing. But some of the biggest perks are you know you own all the rights to your work. So if you get a film deal, you know you're not necessarily having to split the larger portion of that with you know an agent or publisher. You you should probably get an agent exactly. Uh, but. Uh, that's a you know that's a big benefit, but also turnaround times and you know all the there are all these perks to being an indie author that I I would personally not want to give up if I went into trade and I I am astonished sometimes to to read articles about people who just you know there's no way I'll ever indie publish because you know insert insane reason here. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm. I worked with one author, and she'd been trade published, and then she wrote another book, and she couldn't find an agent for the book or, or yeah. publisher for the book, and so she indie published it and had great results. Yeah. And yeah. so she's—I don't know—she's still fifteen, twenty thousand copies of her book, and she was, she was very happy with the results. And then she wrote another book, and now she's being trade published again. So yeah. she's a hybrid officer, office yeah. uh, author. Yeah. Well, and I think that there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. There's nothing wrong with going for a, a traditional contract. Um, I right. think one of the, the benefits of being indie published is, one, you start to understand the industry from a different perspective. So you 
you might more rapidly notice if there's a problem, uh, say in a contract or something like that. But it, it also gives you an insight into what it's going to take to be successful, you know, and, and an appreciation of what these guys can do for you. And you know how to, you know, you have a platform, you know how to market yourself and position yourself. So you can actually make that, that trade contract benefit you more if you have that experience behind you. That's an opinion. That's not, you know, I don't have data to back that up, but I that's the way it seems to me when I've talked to people. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. And if you've got a strong social media presence managed by Francis here, you, you can do even better. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's really important. And in fact, the author who just got a trade published contract, she told me that the publisher was very impressed with her Twitter account. And that's specifically what I worked with nice. on with her. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, what do you, I mean, okay. I'm a, bumbling buffoon i think when it comes to twitter frankly because i set up um a social jukebox uh with a with a lot of material that goes out every time i do a podcast like this this podcast i have what i call my guest card which will have your photo and a quote and uh you know a link and well it'll point people back to this episode right and then i right. i quote that I put that quote in Twitter and I link that image to it and I, and I add it to my jukebox so it goes out periodically, you know, over and over again. Uh, Twitter, I feel like I can do that because Twitter's a, this rapid stream thing where, you know, you could you could post something a thousand times and someone may only see it once, you know. Um, so I feel comfortable with that. But then I also pop in and I I comment on things or I engage in conversations periodically, but it's mostly on remote control for me. <laughs> so am I doing this completely wrong? Well, no, because what you want to do is use a social media application and that's what social jukebox is. Yeah. And to, to automate the outgoing tweets that you have and retweets that you have, but then you want to spend personal time on Twitter also. Mm -hmm. And so, so what I do is I, I, I curate content at, every day and I, I look for stuff to tweet every day so every morning so I, I look what's fresh I look what's people are, are writing and then I retweet it and then I have my own tweets that I send out mm. and before I leave Twitter I make sure that I that I go to notifications and I look at what people are saying what people are asking and I reply you know I thank people who retweet me and then I also answer questions and reply to people and sometimes I start conversations with people, and then they we engage for a few days in a conversation. So I know that I work with a client, and she wrote a book on domestic violence and coercive control. And we just we we, were, we had her on Facebook and Pinterest, I mean Facebook and Twitter for a while, um, and then we we dropped Facebook because domestic violence survivors are not on Facebook; they're on Twitter yeah. because they can disguise their you know, their faces with pictures of flowers or dogs or whatever they use right. are lions. And so her, her notifications tab is so vibrant. People are, it, it's just, I mean, I, I'm just grateful to be able to witness what they write. Yeah. They will in multiple tweets, tell their stories to this therapist and or ask questions. And so every day I'm having to, copy their comments and send them to my client and say, how would you like to respond to this person? Hmm. 
And so, um, so she's responsive. Yeah. You know, she's doing the R and care. She's responding and, try, and trying to educate them too, because some people need information. Right. And so she can point them to studies or point them to resources. And so, so that's how I do it. I, I look for fresh content. I send it out. And then I look to my notifications tab and I try to engage with people. Sometimes I start the engagement by asking questions. Yeah. That's, I like that. And I, I, I okay. So I feel a little better because I mean, I, yeah. I, I do that. I mean, I, I respond to everything. If you, if I get tagged or someone comments me on something I posted or whatever, you know, I always like, I always, or love or whatever the Twitter calls it, but I always like it and I always respond, uh, to comments and questions and I always try to say something very positive you know and so I think things go well I just don't see to me I don't see as much engagement on Twitter as I do on Facebook Facebook is my territory that's my turf <laughs> oh yeah so. and for me it's the opposite I get far more engagement on Twitter than Facebook yeah so maybe it's, it, may, it may just come down to me not spending as much time on Twitter though I mean I'm monitoring it all day but I don't really hop in all day so maybe I should just, you know, four or five times a day go in and just start something. <laughs> yeah, I pro I know that I I spend too much time on Twitter. I I spend about an hour a day. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, but I really love Twitter. Yeah. See, and that's the thing too. That and and like you said, you can get burned out if you're trying to do all of them. Um, but if right. you've got one that you really resonate with, then you can, you know, you can put in the time and and get a lot more out of it. Oh, absolutely. That's cool. All yeah. right. Well, uh, look, I, we're, we're kind of past our time, so I want to—I don't want to take up too much of your time. You've got an hour of Twitter right. to get to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I do appreciate you being on. And I, I, I know we primarily talked about the social media stuff. There's so much more you and I could probably go on about. But I, I do appreciate you coming in and chatting with me about this. Thank you so much, Kevin. I really appreciate it. You got it. All right. Everybody listening, uh, you can find links to all things Francis on the uh, show notes, including a link to her website. Uh, if you're an author, reach out to her. You could probably benefit. I, I, you know, I'm going to push you out there because you've got you to have a social media presence. Uh, and uh, you can find her, and I'll have a link to her Amazon page where you can pick up books, too. So that's good. Uh, again, Francis, thanks so much for being on the show. Everybody else, oh, you're hang welcome. Out. <laughs> hang out, everybody, for the wrap-up, and I will see you all next week. All right, that was Frances Caballo. Um, and, by the way, if you look up her name, <laughs> so I, I, I always look up the guest to try to find a photo I can use as a headshot, uh, just in case they didn't send one or, you know. There's not an obvious link to one. And, you know, of, her last name means horse in Spanish. So, of course, of course, <laughs> of course you find horse. Um, it's a horse, of course. No, I, that's a whole joke I just strained. But the uh, it's kind of funny because I, I forgot that she told me that in, in the interview. So <laughs> I was going to ask her, like, uh, what's your connection to horses? So anyway, that's actually kind of cool. I, I, I don't. I need to probably look into what Tumlinson actually means. I think I've looked into it before, and it's something like, you know, I don't know, it has something to do with stonemasonry or something. You know, I, I have no idea. But if you know, let me know. Um, I'm glad you were able to tune in for this. Now, we, uh, of course, uh, we're at the housekeeping portion of the, uh, of the episode, and there's a lot you can do to help support this show. Um, 
Now, there's there are some th- there are a few things you can do that would help us financially. Help us, me. I'm uh, I'm the guy. I'm the one. <laughs> but um, if you go on to uh, wordslingerpodcast.com, you'll find the Patreon logo there. Its color scheme uh, suspiciously similar to the Wordslinger color scheme. But if you'll click on that guy, uh, it'll take you to the Patreon campaign that is woefully out of date, but it's still good for uh, slinging a, a buck or two my way. It, it helps a lot. I am, uh, I'm always excited when I get uh, a new patron. It means that the, the show does have a positive impact, which is the whole point of the show. So uh, that's great. And I do appreciate that. Every dime that I get goes into improving the show. In fact, right this second, I am uh, I'm looking at an item purchased with money from that campaign. It's a, uh, it's a braided USB cord. Sorry, I'm kind of out of breath for some reason. I don't know why. Let me take a deep breath. <sighs> How very soothing. Um... I have a this very cool. I like braided cords, sort of the old-fashioned. You know, uh, I, more and more everything I buy has this braided cord, and I like the two-tone braided cords. Um, so that's a geeky little thing you now know about me. But <laughs> I have this very cool one that I bought specifically to to, to use as I travel, because then I can. Um, it's more durable and it's uh, a little easier to to manage. And and the old cord that I had, the old USB cable that I had. Um, had gotten smashed at one point, and the, uh, the little metal housing. I had to, I pried it apart and got it working, but it never, it never quite fits right. And I think it may actually have damaged the USB port <laughs> on my uh, on my MacBook. So <clears throat> don't don't do that. Just replace your cord. <laughs> That's advice. All right. Anyway, um, but you can uh, you can support the show in little ways like that. Just a few bucks. I think I spent three bucks on this this cable. So somebody's three dollar donation paid for this new cable. Um, you can also support the show if you uh, will review it, rank and review it, especially on iTunes. Go and find just type Wordslinger Podcast into iTunes, and you'll find me. Um, and if you'll click through and actually leave a review, <clears throat> there's that breath again. I think I'm having a I'm definitely having some allergies. Sorry about that. But if you'll click on that, um, you'll be able to leave a review. And if you'll rate the show four or five stars, that helps us to be discovered a lot easier by people who might benefit from the uh, information. Plus, um, frankly, go out and share this with people. Share it on social media. Share. You know, we just learned about social media, right? Here's something you can use to test what you've just learned. <laughs> go out and share links to the Word Singer podcast. Maybe an episode that you really enjoyed, uh, got something out of. Um, send that around to folks, and uh, and then you know, tap your email list, tap you know what whatever whatever you use to uh, spread the word about something you enjoy. If you're if you're liking the Word Slinger podcast, if you know people who could benefit from it, uh, definitely go out and and spread that around. It helps a great deal. So, um, I mean, I'm here to, I, that's, that's the whole reason I exist is to help people. So this is one of the ways in which I do it. So if you'll, if you'll help me help them, I think good karma can come your way. <laughs> so, um, now if you have a question or you want to leave a comment, uh, there's a few ways to do that. Uh, you can go to wordslingerpodcast.com, click the contact button and leave me a, a uh, an email um, and I love that. If it, and if you're okay with it, I'll probably read it on the air. If not, uh, just let me know. Just say I'd rather this not be read on the air. Uh, you can also leave me a voicemail on the site. Click on the send voicemail tab that's floating on the right hand side, and uh, you can send me a voicemail. Or you can call 
281-809-WORD. That's 281-809-9673. And leave me a voicemail. Um, you can do it that way. And some people have gotten industrious, and they just record themselves on their phones or their uh, their laptops and send me that file. <laughs> so, um, and you can do that. I mean... That's cool. Uh, email me a, a voicemail if you want. Uh, you can email me at kevin at tumlinson.net. You can email me anything at that. It's easier usually to go through the contact form. Uh, that one has some, some information uh, that you can include, like if you want to be a guest on the show, if you want to recommend a guest, if you want to book me for um, an appearance on something, maybe your podcast, or maybe you have an event or a book signing or something along those lines. So uh, that's that's probably the best way to reach out. So do that. I, I, I love hearing from people. Um, I got a great email, and I'm going to see if I can queue it up. One, one second. I'm going to virtually pause you. One second. Okay, check out this email I got. Uh, this is this is karma. Okay, I like to leave reviews for books that I love. All right, I leave five star reviews on books that I love on Amazon because I'm out there asking people to do the same thing. So I really believe in that principle that um, whatever you put out in the universe will come back to you. Okay, so here's a good example. This is from Sarah. Sarah says, "Hey, so funny." No, let me start that over. Hey, so funny story. I'm a new reader of your books, and I love them. Now, that's not funny, <laughs> but I've, but how I found them is a bit different. I was reading reviews on a list of books that Amazon said I might be interested in, one of which was Ender's Game. I came across your review that sparked my interest for that book, but also initiated a rabbit trail that I followed when you mentioned being a writer. So through a little internet stalking and not being able to pass up a free book, I have now finished two books and just bought the third in a matter of about two days. It's been a while since I've been pu pulled into a story like that, and I've missed it. Can't wait to read more, Sarah. And Sarah, if you happen to be listening, I really, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate that review <laughs> or that uh, that email uh, and that testimonial. So I yeah, did not ask your permission, but you didn't give the last name, so we're cool. Uh, <laughs> at any rate, that uh, I love getting emails like that, and I, I love the fact that the, the the nature of that one in particular really gets me. If you had any doubt that your reviews can have a big impact, this should erase that doubt. Go out immediately. And anything that you love, anything you love, this show, if you love this show, any books that, that are written by anybody you, you know or, or don't know, uh, go you know any books you've read that you love, any television shows that you've watched that you love, go and, and write reviews for these things everywhere you can think of. It makes such a huge difference. It makes a huge difference in the lives of the people um, behind these these products and services. Um, trust me, and it can make a big difference in the lives of people reading the reviews. If you had any doubt that reviews have an impact, this should erase that doubt. <laughs> so, at any rate, I really appreciate you tuning in. We're almost at the hour, um, and uh, you know, I hope you take care of yourselves. We got we're in June. I mean, we're we're. <sighs> quickly coasting through this year wow i've traveled so much this year that i i i just i everything's a blur but uh i i am really truly enjoying my life right now um and a lot of that is due to you guys everyone listening to the sound of my voice right now uh you have helped me tremendously so uh thank you so much for that i i cannot tell you how much i appreciate it uh, God bless each and every one of you. I hope you have a wonderful weekend ahead. Uh, please tune in next time. I'm going to have even more great interviews with 
fantastic guests, um, and uh, there's a lot to learn here. So take care of yourselves out there. We'll see you next time.